All right, I'm going to take our visual aid down, but obviously, you know what we're going to be talking about. As a matter of fact, yes, our, and haven't they been trying to get into our homes? I cannot believe the spiders that I have killed. Um, and what we're going to learn today from this little God-made insect, insect, because our first reaction is, our first reaction is what? Ew, ew. And yet, don't you find some of the things in life that you things are the very most important in learning the lessons? I want to start out this morning with singing you a song concerning your spider. And, and if you didn't get a cookie, make sure you get a cookie because it's the theme of our lesson. We're going to be in a two-part series about the spider this week and next week. And what God wants us to learn from this God-made insect that just, uh, you know, I can't believe how many times I've, I was cleaning, vacuuming, because all the leaves, are you all vacuuming up leaves that get strewed in your house? I mean, I can't believe this stuff. And I literally was vacuuming, and at the hearth of the fireplace was a spider. I went, I can't believe this. And so I said, well, it's your last day. And I went and got a <laughs> tissue and uh, got rid of that creepy crawly. So here's the theme song for our two-week series. Ready? The itsy bitsy. No, it's not the one you know. You got to wait. The itsy bitsy spider climbs up your wall at night, weaves its little home completely out of sight, ventures down below and crawls upon your bed and quickly disappears as your husband turns his head. <laughs> yeah, because it is the first fact about a spider. This is true now. On average, a person swallows eight spiders a year. Uh-huh. True fact. We unknowingly, aren't you glad you don't know? And you say, well, Kathy, now we do know. Yeah, <laughs> well, keep your mouth closed. All right, so we accidentally swallow eight spiders a year. Okay, here's the next question about a spider. Who makes the web? If you think it's the male, raise your hand. If you think it's the male, oh, this is hilarious. Okay, two of you. How many think it's the female that makes the web? Okay, well, you're both right because it is the male and the female that weave the web. But now here's the interesting part. Why does the female eat the male? She's cannibalistic. Now now wait, wait, this is this is this is this is hilarious. She does wait until the web is built. <laughs> isn't that isn't that awful? I mean you talk about premeditation, you know. Okay, so why does the female eat the male? Here's the answer. She's hungry. She's hungry. She's hungry. They've just worked hard building a house, and it is the law of nature. It is the law of the jungle, which we talked a little bit about in previous weeks. It's a hard law. She eats them because, because she's hungry. So what spiritual parallel does God want you and me to learn from this creepy crawly? Amen. He certainly was. Here's the first spiritual parallel that God wants us to learn from the spider. You and I can take a broom and walk around, matter of fact, I probably should, walk around the ceiling 
And we can knock spider webs down every day. I've been out on my front porch and every day I go out there and even though I know I have swept this porch clean, there are new spider webs there every single day. This is the first truth. That lady spider, she can have two legs left. She can have worked or injured or marred herself so that she only has two legs left. Your spider on your cookie only has six. I know a spider has eight legs, but she's worked so hard, she's worked two of them off. Okay, so <laughs> that spider will take that one leg she has left and hike herself up and continue to spin webs. She is continually, ready, rebuilding, rebuilding. If you're taking notes, the first thing I'd like you to put down on your paper is rebuild, rebuild. Now, don't you get tired of rebuilding. I do. I do. It seems like I'm always in the middle of redoing, repairing, reorganizing, reclaiming, restoring, reminding. I'm now to the stage where I'm living with sticky notes everywhere. I'm reminding myself, re. If you remember in lessons past, that little prefix re is really important. Whenever you say the word re, you are talking about something that was made right and perfect, but it was broken, or it was aged, or it was hurt, and now it has to be ready, repaired. The little prefix re is always dealing with something that was good but has been damaged but now has to be fixed again. So as we think of that, Re, it's been done before and it needs to be done again. You're in the middle and you are redoing something in the middle as you rebuild. I don't know about you, but I don't like middle. Uh, years ago, I did a series on stuck in the middle, being in the middle. Maybe it's because I'm a middle kid, you know? You know? Maybe, it's, maybe it's because I'm middle age. No, I'm past middle age, okay? Uh, but middle, middle, middle is always hard. So let me ask you, what are you stuck in the middle of? Because right now, from Anna to Leslie, from Donna to Kathy, all of us here, we're stuck in the middle of something right now. And, and you know it, and you know it. What am I stuck in the middle of? Um, are you stuck in the middle of a hurt? Stuck in the middle of a fear? Stuck in the middle of um, a mess. Romans 12, 2. I'd like one of you to look that up and read Romans 12, 2 for me. And you're here this morning because God wants to remind you, ready? Remind you that the most important part of your day is to renew your mind. Romans 12.2. Okay, so now understand the sequence in that class and about being transformed. The thing that you and I really need when we're stuck in the middle of something is we need to be renewed. We need to see something different. We need to see God work, and God says, this is the most important part of renewal. It's having your mind 
transformed, <laughs> your mind transformed. So in the middle of whatever it is you just named, it's your father's design to remind you that you are right where you're supposed to be. See, often our first response when something goes wrong or when we're stuck in the middle of something that we can't seem to fix or do or manipulate, our first response is to run away. Don't listen to your first response. God has a plan, and rarely is it to run away. There's only one time that the Lord tells us to run, and that's to flee sin. Then you flee. Then you run. But in every other case, God says, no, don't run. Matter of fact, we're going to look at Psalm 4 and what the Lord does tell us to do. But don't run. Often when we're stuck in the middle of something, the first reaction is to, ready, relocate. Don't do it. It's one of my favorite true illustrations. A business owner opened a brand new business, and flowers were sent for the occasion. And when the owner read, rest in peace on the card, he was angry, and he let the florist know in no uncertain terms he was really upset over such a blunder. The florist said, sir, I'm really sorry for the mistake, but if you think you're angry, just imagine that somewhere there's a funeral taking place today with a card that reads, congratulations on your new location. <laughs> <laughs> Don't relocate. Don't run away. I want to um, remind you about David. Boy, David found himself in the middle of messes all the time. Some of them his own making, many of them not. And he, he pens that God, his father, is the restorer. And David cries this. He says, re, here we are again with that prefix, re, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And so maybe you're sitting in a time where you're just stuck because there's no joy. God has something he wants you and I to pay attention to do that is going to restore the joy of my salvation. I love Malachi, Malachi 3, 7, return unto me. They ran away, and Jesus calls them back, return unto me. So when you're stuck in discouragement or guilt or sadness or fear, ready? We don't need a new location. We don't need a new start. We don't need a new husband. We don't need a new job. We don't need new kids. We don't even need new shoes. All right? I am a shoe fanatic. I cleaned. I flipped my closet yesterday. Um, I love our home, but our home was built way back in the decades where your closet was about this big, okay? And so I have to flip it seasonally, sometimes monthly, um, which is a good thing because I really clean it out. I cleaned it out. I took, I take everything out. I wipe down the walls. I, you know, wash down the floor in there. Just a tiny floor, but I was sneezing my head off because it's the season, and then all that dust. So I took an allergy pill, went back, and I said, "Dear Lord, thank you for my little itty bitty tiny closet. Thank you. I love my closet because I keep it cleaner than if I'd had a big walk-in one. I'm sure. But shoes. We don't need to. Oh, that's what brought me onto that. I have way too many <laughs> shoes." I have way too many shoes. We don't need new shoes. We don't need a shopping trip. We don't need those things. This is what we need. We need our mind renewed. So first indicator that um, I'm stuck is I want to run away. Don't pay attention to it. It's not the first recourse. We're to find 
renewal for our mind. Um, so under A, don't run a, under, um, yeah, but how do I have a transfer mind? A, don't run away, but ready? Here's, here's what we do remember. Remember what he has already done. Remember what God has already done. That's the first instruction to the church of Laodicea. They were stuck in the middle of what? Do you remember? Apathy. Do you feel your faith getting worn out? Do you feel your faith not working? You're stuck in apathy. I'm stuck in apathy. And God says, the first thing I'm to do, Kathy, is, okay, recall to your mind, remember, remember what I have done for you. Remember your first love. And it goes back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. How many of you have ever seen footage of World War II ending? Um, if, yeah, history teachers and teachers and, and some of you buffs that love that stuff. I just... I really do love it. World War, victory over Europe, victory over Japan, okay? They were huge celebrations, and we read about it. When I would talk to my parents about the war being over, World War II being over, they would literally light up and glow. All I'd have to do is get them started with a little lead-in because, see, they didn't just read about it. Ready? They lived it. They lived it. Victory, victory. Freedom, the boys are coming home. And they would just go on and on. My dad uh, served in World War II. My grandpa, um, this is one of his, it's a war ration book. Now, this is interesting. You know, remember COVID and the shutdown and, and uh, how we couldn't get supplies? It's, it's cyclomatic. It's, it's all cyclomatic. This is the war ration book from uh, World War II. And it's, I'll pass it around. It's really neat to see. But in here are little coupons. You had to use these things to buy anything if you could find it. Now, the interesting thing is there's a bunch of war ration coupons in there for coffee. The Kendalls are huge coffee drinkers. I'm going, I can't believe they have any of these coupons for coffee left, you know. Um, I wonder if I took them to Walmart if they would redeem them for me. <laughs> but anyways, my parents just lit up with excitement and gratefulness and thankfulness because they lived through the fact that the war was over. Here's Sunday school class. When God tells me, child, you're in apathy, your faith has gotten worn out, you're, just, you're dull, I want you to remember that my son went to earth to fight a war for your soul, and it's over. He has won it in victory. The war is over, child. You don't have to live addicted. You don't have to live predetermined by others. You get to live in the liberty of Christ because the Spirit of God indwells you. You're not only on your way to heaven someday, but you're free today. Yeah. I am not determined by anybody. I am not tied to a defeat. I am not living in regret. My sins are forgiven. We could go on and on. We could spend the rest of class talking about what we have because the war is over. The victory's been won. Now, let me ask you. Yesterday, did you get excited about that? Did you recall to your mind what God has already done because someday, girls, some days, really soon, we're going home. We're going home. Just like the boys were coming home.
And boy, my mom would talk about my Aunt Betty Ann was one of the, um, in the phone company, pulling all the, yeah, 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 yeah. And ticker tapes and confetti just began flying out the windows, all up and down every business district. Everybody was celebrating. Do you know why we have lost our America? Christians stop celebrating about the fact that we are saved from our sin and Jesus loves me and he loves you. And we've grown so used to what we have. The apathy across America, our faith has become of no effect. Get excited about what you and I have today translated in the fact that I can do all things through Christ. And when something comes along that gets you and me stuck in the middle of it, this is just where God wants to work. It's not a point in which I am discouraged. It's not a point in which I am fearful, but we're going to talk about that in just a minute because God gives us some other very plain R-E, re things to do. But the first one is remember, remember that the war is won has already been won. Tell the lady next to you the war's been won. Tell her. I think my favorite R-E word is the word, ready? Redeemed. Redeemed. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the lamb. So, when you are stuck in an old hurt or an old offense and you really need something new, Ready? His mercies are new every morning. They are as new today as they were yesterday. His mercies are new every morning. And claiming and remembering them, this is what happens. First of all, remember the war has been won. So rejoice. That's why he tells me in the morning, this is the day I've made. Kathy, when your feet touch the floor, get in touch with me. This is the day I've made. I We'll be glad and, and rejoice in it because the war has been won. Number two, uh, reclaiming his mercies that are new every morning. When I reclaim his mercies, he <coughs> renews my mind and refreshes my spirit no matter what middle stuff I am stuck in. How does this happen? You know, if you've been in Sunday school class anytime, when you're stuck in something in your head, a hurt, a person, a regret, a worry. What does that do in your mind? Isn't it like a gerbil cage? Doesn't it just keep running round and round and round? How do we fight that? You know how to fight it. The word of God. It's how Jesus fought temptation. A couple weeks ago, there was something just in my head, and I was battling it with the word of God, and I was battling it with, with God's promises, but I, I couldn't get I couldn't get unstuck. I couldn't live the next five minutes set free. We're to live set free. What do you do when you're there at that, at that spot? This is what you do. You call time out. Call time out, whether you're at work, whether you're driving home, whether you're picking up kids, whether you're making supper, but that thing is still nagging at you. The little fox that's spoiling the sweetness of your day, what do you do? You stop. When you have not battled it with the word and it's still there, and you've got to get in the presence of your father. There is no other answer. 
you've got to stop and you've got to get in his presence. Well, this thing that was nagging at me and, and I just couldn't get victory over it in my head, I went to my grandma chair and I sat down and I bowed my head and again I said, our father, my father, hallowed be thy name, holy, holy, holy. Father, create in me a clean heart. My thoughts are not honoring you. They are of fear and they are of doubt and they are of worry. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto thee. Lord, my meditation, I'm not honoring you. Lord, I want it to honor you. And so I continued to pray over this situation and this matter. And I started recalling to my mind God answering and moving in the past. Recalling to my mind specific ways in which God moved miraculously. Very specifically ways in, in, in our family. And then I prayed, casting my care upon him. That's letting it go. That's pray, not my will, Father, but thine. Thank you that you do all things for my good and your glory. And then I sang, great is thy faithfulness, O Lord, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changeth not. It's everything life does, but not our God. Thy compassions, they fail not. Say it with me. Sing it with me. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. You stay in his presence until the peace of God that passes all understanding has captured your heart and mind, and then you stand up and you do the next right thing. And that's how we get victory, and that's how we get a renewed mind and a renewed spirit because that's where we need that kind of strength. That's where we need that kind of joy deep down inside, and the peace that passes all understanding will keep my heart and this mind in Christ Jesus. Um, so God enables me to rebuild by the renewing of my mind, number one, by remembering what he has already done, and then number two, by recalling his promises, and when that is not doing enough battle, you need to bring in the full-fledged armor. You need to stop, and you need to find a quiet corner, a quiet spot, and pray to your Father until the peace that passes understanding is there. And then I'm going to tell you what's going to happen, because you all know this anyways. An hour later, it's back. But it's not back as strong. And you know the routine. And I say again, Father, here it is again. I cast it again. Thank you for being my faithful father. Next. So what next do we learn from the spider? Not only does the spider rebuild, she builds in hard places. She builds in hard places. Hard walls, hard cornices, metal mailboxes, my porch railings. Hard. Which brings me to the question we need to ask ourselves, what do I build in hard places? What do I build in hard places? Oh, when we're in a hard place, we build all right. 
We build high and lofty monuments to our pain. Do you know how hard my day is? <laughs> Do you know how unfair this is? Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, we build. And then uh, we build up our accomplishments. Do you know all I do for you? Do you know what you have because of me? Are these sounding familiar, or am I the only one who is <laughs> whined this way? Um, do you know the world would not continue to rotate on its axis if it were not for me? I mean, that's, that's how we build so much. In hard places, it is so natural to build lofty palaces to my pain or to my pride. And this is what we naturally think, even, even in the prayer requests and even in interaction with each other in our family and especially with our children when we are dealing things with children or grandchildren and we see them um, complain about something or hear them complain about something and we naturally go to, when I was your age, I walked through four feet of snow and I, all I had on my hands were paper bags, you know. What we do is we, we compare. We compare. And it's wrong. It does nothing to solve the problem. It does nothing positive. God cannot work in what I complain about and what I compare about. Number one, when I catch myself comparing. Now, it's good to have empathy. It's good to have empathy. Allow the empathy you feel because you've been through some hard things to be the precursor for knowing how to meet somebody else's need when they're going through a hard time. And I tell you what, there's nothing more therapeutic than looking, even as our, our little Krista, she's, uh, you know, three little ones and on a C-section. I remember that pain. I remember that exhaustion. I remember all the medical complications that we were dealing with. I can't wait to write her an encouraging note because I remember right where she was at. That's where you go with it. God wants us to remember the hard things we've been through, but not to build them to my pride. Or, well, I've been through that, and I would never respond that way. God forbid. God forbid. And yet, how we go there in our carnality. Um, what do I build in my hard places? So understand that the first reaction is going to be, I'm going to build to my pain, or I'm going to build to my pride. Cast it down. Say, God, forgive me. Use me, because I know just how this feels. And then, if that were not bad enough, most often when we are in a hard place, we, we don't build. You know what we do? <laughs> we blame. <laughs> we blame. And it's another natural response. We blame. Um, we've talked about blame in the past, but right now I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, it's not your fault. Tell her, it's not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like, like the natural things, the natural things we go through. Well, if you would just listen, I wouldn't have to scream, okay? That, that, that circular reasoning that comes straight from my pride. Well, if you wouldn't have done this, I wouldn't have gotten mad. And we, we justify, we justify those hard places. Reminds me of a, a story I read about a mother exhausted, 
finally got her two little daughters in their bed, but they'd already been up and down three, four times, and she was at her wit's end, and she was just wiped out. She'd had a horrible day at work. The kids were cranky. Dinner was burnt, blah, 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 blah. She finally got those two daughters, and now stop your giggling. No more drinks of water. No more prayer time. You go to sleep. And she left, and she said, finally. She got in the shower. She just wanted the water to rinse away the day. You know, you've all been there. Washed her hair, put it up in a towel, put on a nice facial mask, wrapped up in her bathrobe, stepped out in the hallway to hear those girls again. She couldn't believe it. She marched into that bedroom, and she said, girls, you get to sleep right now. No more talking. And with that, she turned around, slammed the door. One little girl said to her sister, who was that? <laughs> That's where our natural carnality takes place, and it turns us into people we wouldn't even recognize ourselves. We would never dream that we could become that person, but we do when we don't know what to do when we're stuck in the middle of fatigue and exhaustion. And this is what God says. God says, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words. Now, Kathy, I'm going to give you lots of opportunities to put this into work today. I'm going to give you lots of opportunities to build your faith not to turn into a witch, all right? Get excited about what God yearns to do inside of us with the places and the situations and the people we get stuck in with. It's going to be for God's glory. It's going to be for my good. Um, let me put this in perspective with, with David. Turn your Bibles to Psalm chapter 4. Psalm chapter 4. By the way, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I have to have in my mind that my transformation comes down to a choice I make. It's not something magical. It's something spiritual. I have to make up my mind at the beginning of the day, Lord, use my mind and my responses Equip me right now. I'm excited about that first victory I'm going to see. Be transformed. How am I going to live transformed today? I don't want to turn into that witch. I want to, I want to turn into Christ. I want to be like Jesus. That's transformation by the renewing of my mind. You've got to remind your mind all day long. You know when you're going to be dealing with confrontational people. You, you know that. If you're a teacher, if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, um, if you're a worker, if you're standing in the long Walmart line, okay? I went into Walmart yesterday just to get a rotisserie chicken. It's the only reason I, their parking lot, it was freezing cold. It was freezing, freezing cold. You know, you have to park back on the back 40 because everybody in the world, they're handicapped, all right? I can say that because I have a son who's handicapped. I'm not... I'm not making light of that. I refuse until I'm like that spider with one leg left. I refuse to park in a handicapped parking spot because there's some people who really, truly need it. But what irritates the fire out of me, I can't believe I'm talking about this. Let's go back on. Um, rotisserie chicken. 
And, and I, I'm asking people, do you know where the rotisserie chickens are? Yes, they're up there by that deli, right where you come in. But I just came in there and I looked. I must have missed them. Well, they're at the uh, self-checkout. So there's two self-checkouts at Walmart. So I'm racing with my cart down to the other self-checkout. They're not down there either. So I go back to the place where they do that. And she said, oh, they only allow us to put out a certain number at, at certain times. <laughs> the ones that were all out. She said, we ran out yesterday. And she said, now the, these will be done in an hour. They had a whole new rack on there, you know. <laughs> Great. So I'm in line, and I did pick up some other things because I was at Walmart. And, and it is a wonderful opportunity to pass out tracks. So don't turn into a witch, okay? Regardless of what happens. Be light. Be salt. It was my opportunity. And I thought, oh, dear Lord, you know my schedule. And you know these other things that I really wanted to do, and, and they aren't going to be happening. And so... I got in line, and she's checking me out, and she said, hello. And I said, good afternoon. And I said, I'm putting up my boxes. Buy your check cereal now for your Christmas stuff, okay, for your mix, okay. <coughs> Gluten-free, three of each, on sale, $3 a box now, big boxes, which was a good deal. And I said, I'm so glad I found these, but you know the only reason I came in here was to get my rotisserie chicken? And she said, well, be thankful you didn't come yesterday because we couldn't get anybody into work and there was nobody making rotisserie chickens yesterday. And I said, well, I am thankful. I've already get, come up with a solution. You know, I stood there being frustrated and I said, no, you know what? The Lord has a plan. And so neat to tell this lady that the Lord has a plan. I said, I'm going to Yaya's and I'm picking up their chicken. They have good chicken anyways. And, and she almost smiled, you know. But it's, it's your opportunity. It's your opportunity to be that salt and light. But you've got to remember, you've got to remind your mind. Let me finish up with this. Psalm chapter 4. Here's flesh and bones on this truth about, about um, renewal. It's David. It's all about David in Psalm chapter 4. He did not blame, okay? David is in a horrible, hard, broken time. Everything in his life is broken. His heart, his home, his influence, his status, his finances, ready? But not his faith. This is huge. This is who, this is, I want to attain to this every single day. Blaming prevents me from applying my faith. That is why the devil uses it. Blaming prevents me from applying my faith, and that is why the devil uses it. David did not live under his feelings. He's got a few faithful men hiding in this cave, all right? And they're with their king, and they're saying, how can good come from this? How can, good, how can any good come from this? They were living under their feelings, but praise God, they had a leader that was living under their faith. Dear mom, dear grandma, dear sister, dear aunt, dear teacher, you get to be that one who's going to live unto your faith in front of those you live with. It is hugely influential because you're in a dark time. Do you know what David writes in this chapter? Lord, lift up the light of thy countenance upon us. Now, this is so apropos because all of his men, they're all hiding in the deepest, darkest part of the cave. They're saying, how can good come from this? How can this be for our good? We don't know if we're going to live out this day. And David says, Lord, lift up the light of thy countenance upon us. What is the Lord's light? 
When you pray for light, what is the Lord's light? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The Lord has something very specific to say about your dark, hard time. And he says it very clearly. Find that. Choose. We get to choose. Don't live by what you feel. Live by what you know. I love what David writes in verse 3. But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly. Know this. Know this. Children, know this in this hard time. God has a purpose in it. Like Brother Bennett's Wednesday night Bible study with Queen Esther, or, you know, she was in a hard, hard time. Mordecai said, you got to go talk to the king, and you all know the story. And what did Mordecai remind her? That God had her in this place for such a time as this. Dear children, God has us in this time together to find out who he is. But if we keep our eyes stuck on what we don't have or what is hard, we're never going to find it. So God knows right where we are in the middle of this mess. The Lord will hear when I call it. If you're in the middle of something you're really struggling with, would you please memorize Psalm 4? Psalm 4. It ends with, thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time when the Activate your faith in reference to what is being hard in your life right now and say, God, I can't wait to taste more gladness. You promised it. I'm going to oh, taste and see that you are good. Let me close with this. When the children were all little, all three, they were like two years apart, so they all played long and hard together. It was like my own little daycare. And something would get broken. But their daddy was the super glue king, all right? He could make it like new. So when something got broke, there were tears, there was blaming, and all that needed to be dealt with. But it always ended with this. Don't cry. Daddy, fix it. Don't cry. Daddy, fix it. It'll be okay. We even had a designated place where we put all the broken stuff. We had a blanket in the corner of the Parsonage living room where all the broken stuff was. We had our own little island of misfits right there, okay? <laughs> and when Daddy would come home, he would fix it. So when the girls or Clint would put what they broke over in that corner, you know what they would do then? They'd get up and they'd go do what they needed to do with a happy heart. Why? They were confident, Mary, that their Daddy would fix it. And so they could be free to go and do what they were supposed to do the rest of the day. It's the very truth that our Father wants us to live every day. Stuff gets broken every day. It needs to be rebuilt. It needs to be renewed. It needs to be repaired. Learn to take it to that place where the one and the only one who can do anything about it has promised it to do what he promises to do. Say, Father, I'm casting all my care upon you because you care for me. I can't fix this, and I'm so glad that you can. So, Father, I give it to you, and then get up, and especially in front of children or grandchildren or husbands that are discouraged, get up with the confidence of your faith and say, God, God is in control. God is in control. And with a smile and with rejoicing, because in everything, give thanks. That is the external expression that we are trusting our God 
And that is where our light so shines before others that they may see your good works, your good appearance, your good response, and do what, girls? Glorify our Father which is in heaven. Oh, the lessons from a spider. Oh, the lessons from a spider. Apply it as you eat your cookie spider this afternoon. Take these points and say, dear Lord, if you put this in a spider, you'll put this in me. You saved me for a purpose. Give me that determination to rebuild, to renew my mind, to refresh others for your glory. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Father, I pray there are many that are going through hard things right now. God, you are the, you are the God of hard places and deep valleys, and you are with us. Father, I pray for that refreshment in their mind and heart. I pray for that confidence that only comes through our faith being exercised. May we get excited about the fact that the war is over. We're already on the victory side. And God, you have a purpose for me today, a purpose for that painful stuff, for that hard stuff, for the good stuff. And we'll give you all the praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen.